Hi, I'm Dr. Sab Cohen-Hatton. I'm a neuroscientist specialising in human and animal learning mechanisms. I'm Jamie Penrith. I'm an expert dealing with canine predatory behaviour and I'm also a former police dog handler. And I'm Danny Wells. I'm a dog trainer that specialises in dangerous and unwanted behaviour. And every week we sit down to talk about the latest research in canine science. And more importantly, how you can apply that to your own dogs to get to know them even better. Welcome to the Dog Scholar. Fantastic. Oh my god. Guys, let's go down the tip. Guess what I have? A question. Question. <laughs> <laughs> it would. Am I Blow so me down with a feather on the side yeah. of a jar with a dinosaur in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well, boys. My question is how do dogs' personalities develop? Ooh, good question. Well, I know the answer to this, so I'm going to keep quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might it be I'm going to pretend I'm idiot. Yeah. Um, might it be in one's puppy programme, Jamie? <laughs> could be. <laughs> Available could on Patreon be. now. <laughs> well, I guess we should define personality first of all, shouldn't we? So what does it mean to you when I say personality? Like um, in the individual like genetic character traits in the dog. Yeah, with a dog, I'd say temperament, yeah, pet yeah. personality, same sort of thing. It's yeah. it's what makes you up as an individual, right? Yeah, right. I it's think a lot of a lot of pet owners can confuse behaviour traits with personality. Personality for dogs is the same as us. It's the qualities and the characteristics and things that someone has that makes up their unique character. And dogs are unique characters just as we are and in humans there's a big five grouping of personality traits we've got extroversion so that's how sociable you are and how optimistic you are mm. and how upbeat you are then you've got agreeableness so that's how compassionate and friendly you are versus how critical and rational you might be then we've got openness which is how inventive and curious you are versus how cautious you might be. We've got conscientiousness, which is how organised and determined you are to drive things through versus being a little bit kind of carefree. And then we've got neuroticism, which is how sensitive and nervous you are versus how kind of resilient and confident you are. And I got the lads to do a personality inventory themselves earlier on. I did one myself, so I wasn't like completely horrible doing stuff to you that I wouldn't do myself. Do you want to know what the results were? Yeah, um, go on. Is, it, is this like a serious, proper, yes. proper inventory, a proper personality yeah, it test, is. is it? Yeah, not sure how ethical it is that I'm giving you your results live on a podcast. But <laughs> I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can I have your informed consent? Yeah, yeah, you can have you my... You find me outside, can... rocking in a corner somewhere, banging my head against the wall <laughs> later on. Don't worry. Don't worry, I definitely won't take it down to the civil claims court. <laughs> well, shall I tell you the scary thing first, actually? Go on, my, yeah. Mine, mine is a series of extremes... Yeah. So I am very low on neuroticism, on the floor in fact. Some of the scales are as low as you can go. What so does I'm, it mean if you're low? I'm not a very neurotic person, oh, right. so I'm not a very kind of anxious or um, sense like a nervous person. Yeah, that's not me. Um, however, extroversion, I top the scales. Um, the same with openness, so I'm quite a, a curious person, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in stuff like that. Um, and conscientiousness, uh, yeah, again, that's, that's kind of, I kind of go up and down on that one, but pretty determined, pretty dutiful in the sense that I drive things through, very self-disciplined. Jay, do you want to know yours? Yeah, go on. You were, you were the opposite to me. You were quite neurotic, actually. You were quite high on neuroticism. So you scored quite highly on uh, anxiety. Mm -hmm. So do you get quite nervous about mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah, okay. Extroversion, through the floor. Mm -hmm. yeah. Quite an introverted person, aren't mm -hmm. you? Yeah, quite a sensitive soul. Mm -hmm. That's why we love you. This is a mask I wear. Oh. Behind it is a weeping clown. 
that. So you did score very highly on modesty. You're quite a modest person, aren't you, Jay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. yeah. I don't like that blowing you. smoke at my own kilt, and I don't like other people <laughs> blowing smoke at it either. Yeah, yeah. No one thing. should be blowing smoke yeah. anywhere. Do you not know what I do? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other one you scored highly on is deliberation. So you tend to think very carefully before you do anything. Do you find you th you overthink stuff a lot? I I am a very very deep thinker. Mm, yeah. 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 And, and I uh, uh, yeah I question. Things that I do, I record things that I do, I analyse what I do. Yeah. Um, not, not in the sort of sense of editing or anything like that, but yeah, I do. I do. I'm, I'm a strong self-critic, yeah. put it that way. I, I don't think that much me, I really should. No, mm -hmm. I can tell. Your score is through the some? floor <laughs> yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah, I just act, <laughs> think later <laughs> and deal with the consequences. <laughs> yours is really interesting, because yours is a tale of extremes. You're kind of, you <laughs> don't, yeah. yeah, no, you I'm should, sure people you watching at home will not be surprised like, like, like any of my family wouldn't be there. No, it's really interesting. You have a Go really on. complex personality because within each of the main facets, you do score extremes on on different places. So, for example, you are broken. No, you're not. No, you're not at all. No, quite the opposite. So, if we take extroversion, for example, overall, you're you score average on extroversion, but you're incredibly assertive. You're very high on that. Very high on the activity score. So you know you've got a lot of energy. You do yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff, definitely. But then warmth and gregariousness in terms of you know whether you like to be with other people or on your own, you know, you score quite low on those. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's quite a good judgment, really. In, in crowds, I kind of take the role of centre of attention, class clown, make everyone laugh, but um, away from crowds, if it's a smaller group, I'm quite, I'm quite, I quite like my own, my own space. I, I really like being on my own, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just as a fun fact, you and I score similarly on a couple of bits, mm. and one of the ones that we've both scored as low as you can score on, you will not be surprised to hear. It's compliance. Compliance, yeah, yeah. yeah we are sense. not very compliant people. If you're a compliant person, you're quite meek and you're quite mild. So you and I are the complete opposite of that. Um, low scorers tend to be quite aggressive and we'd rather compete then cooperate. I'm competitive. I'm a, I can be with aggressive dogs. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. work with aggressive yeah. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, some really interesting scores there, gents. Really mm. interesting scores. Dogs have got personalities as well, so it's certainly not just us that have those traits, dogs as well. But what affects them? Is it nature or is it nurture? Are we born with our personalities? Is that the same with dogs? Or do they develop as we go through life and we interact with stuff that we experience every day? I think it'd be, um, it wouldn't be um, out of the realm of possible to say a mixture of both, would mm. it? Same with people. Yeah. I, I would say it's impossible to yeah. accurately and, you know, yeah. um, effectively discuss the nature or, or answer the nature nurture argument on a podcast. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, it's what, the, it's the what I am, it's what yeah, I experience, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, the, the, the effects of my environment, all those sort of things coming together to yeah. open certain aspects of my character yeah. as I develop. And I think an interesting side of it is, you know, we are all kind of genetically disposed or shaped by society to want to act or think a certain way or, or behave a certain way. And 
you know, depending on the context. You never we, behave. We do, oh, believe you, me, I do. <laughs> this could have gone a whole different way, this podcast. Well, do you want to hear some science? Let's hear yeah, some science, always. Do you want to hear how puppies' personalities change through puppyhood? Puppy personality. Yeah. Puppy yeah, personalities. Yeah. Most personality traits with puppies, this study found, were pretty consistent by about five to six months. And fear and aggression actually was slightly different. They varied a lot between different dogs, so there's a lot of individual mm -hmm. differences with this. But in general, they tended to increase in age until the dog was about one. And some aspects of yeah. it would continue until about two. So there was a little bit of variation within that as well. Now, the litter that the pups came from had a really big effect. Uh, and that could be genetics, like we were just talking about. But it could also be the significance of that early shared environment. Yeah. they had you know they come from the same litter they're growing up in the same place they're exposed to the same mother who's going to respond to them in the same way the bit that's really clear is that early interventions particularly for aggression is really important it's not the kind of thing that you can go it'll be fine the dog will grow out of it mm. they won't if your dog is showing aggression it's going to get worse probably until they're about two yeah, well, uh, you know, I'd, beyond. I, 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 with, even without knowing the science, it's something that I would say that. But shockingly enough, in the industry, that's what you hear a lot from people advising people. Eh? Don't worry, they'll grow out of it. Is it? Oh, it is, isn't no, it? No, 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 that's not what the science says at all. Exactly. Well, you know, uh, I'm sick of having this debate. You see it in breed-specific groups all the time. It's not a debate. It's true. Yeah, yeah, Look, yeah. the evidence. Yeah, that's what they say, isn't it, Jane? Yeah, don't debate but they'll grow out of it. Yeah, they'll grow they'll out grow of it. They'll grow into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah they'll grow yeah. into it. So, well, if it's, if, if it's getting them a result or it's reinforcing in any way, then they'll, they'll practice it, they'll perfect it, and they'll do it more. Everyone goes on about it's vital that puppies stay with the mother for X amount of time. Um, you shouldn't really be getting them before eight weeks. And there's loads of confusion of why that is, but a big part of that is is discipline. You know, litter mates and, and, and mothers will discipline their puppies and give them social boundaries. Isn't that right, Jane? Yeah, I mean, it fascinates me. You know, I, I rec I'm fascinated by nature, as you know, anyway, and I, I record loads of um, puppy videos where really there's not a lot going on from a lot of people's point of view but I'm like oh look at that interaction and yeah. look at that response to that you know to that to that sort of like signal and things like that but the the natural way that the mother knows how to you know and the right time as well so when it comes to uh, you know the, the excessive nurturing and cleaning and then now you need to be doing it yourself and I'm moving on to feeding you then I'm weaning you then I'm bringing in like you say the dis discipline aspect which discipline really from my observation, starts to come in primarily around about that weaning sort of age where it's okay, you can't do that. It's, it's actually quite a fascinating thing, yeah. you know, to say right at that early age, you can't do that anymore. You need to learn to stop doing that. So, yeah, but mum, I want to come in. I just want to feed. And, you know, and the mother will turn around. Like, oh, yeah. you know, away goes the pup sort of thing. And then it's straight back into now I'll smooth you. Now you smooth, yeah. smooth you. So it's that real sort of yin yang of positive, negative, you know, that balance that yeah. flows throughout life. And you're seeing it actually yeah. as it happens. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's fascinating. I, I, I remember when that, when that last litter you had, on the ground you posted some great videos demonstrating that yeah it, it's it's not just our input you know we we do yeah, yeah. as we've mentioned in the puppy program that that i have you know online it's not just the early influence that we deliberately provide the pups you know there is the the genetic makeup yeah. you know you choose yeah, yeah. what you're hoping to through through the best ways yeah. you can um to create a litter of puppies that are going to you know, be fit and healthy yeah. and have certain sort of like, um, 
you know, health characteristics and benefits to them that you'd like to see yeah. more of. Because it is hard to predict a puppy's personality. It's oh. hard if you're choosing a puppy from a litter. It's hard to go. I think that one's going to be the calmest one, or I think that one's going to be really bold because they do change very, very drastically. You know, it's quite hard. There isn't are it? so many things, Sab, that you hear where people will say, "Oh, I picked this one because he was the one that came to what he yeah. chose us, she chose us," or "Yeah, they were quite bold when when they were in there," or "We wanted the shy one, we wanted the one that kept away," and you can't really choose based on yeah. what I see yeah. here is what I'm going to so, see then. So, someone asked me once, um, "How do you choose your puppy? How do you choose it?" I look at the bloodlines, I look at the the parents, the grandparents. How did they behave? What kind of behavioural traits do they have? And we're most likely to um, repeat them with that breathing so when it comes down to picking the puppy what do you do and I go I'll have that one yeah. <laughs> that's what I do yeah it doesn't really matter <laughs> no, it I know what you see in that one pup last week that pup was doing what that pup's doing mm. it, it changes and evolves all the time yeah and you'll see um, in sport world and like security dogs and selection for like uh, police dogs prison dogs things like that people are too quick to what we call wash a pup say it's not fit for work but, you know, take Logan, for example. Logan is very, very hard in his job. But, you know, for the first, like, five, six months of life, you wouldn't have said that dog would have done anything protection-wise. He was, like, scared of his own shadow. He was, And all of a sudden, you say, be careful what you what you bloody wish for. Yeah. He, he, turned, he turned into an absolute machine of a dog, mm. you know what I mean? It is funny how they change. They change. So yeah, they when Luther was a puppy, I mean, it's very typical of the he breed. He had hair. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it's very typical of the breed. He had a very kind of innate timidity, yeah. which is typical of the show, yeah, though, yeah. because they're a very ancient breed. They've never been selectively bred. They're still quite wild in their instincts. And with most wild dogs, what you'll see is they have a, a very quick kind of fear reflex so they as how they stay alive you know they they avoid danger and you could see that in him he wasn't interested in new people when new people would come up and try and touch him he'd be like ooh. but then there was also this real boldness to him as well so uh, this one day i was having a bath and um i've usually got like a you know like a bench that goes over the bath you stick yeah. your wine and your book on it which is like hello what about your loofah and your soap <laughs> <laughs> and your book? well you know priorities <laughs> mr Penrith, priorities anyway this it had broken so i had um i just had the step you know like this, the little stepladder thing, the little steppy thing. I just pulled it up to the bath like it was a table and I stuck my wine on there and I was in the bath having a soak read in my book. And all of a sudden, like Luther came up and he was putting his paws on the step and I didn't really think anything of it. I went over to reach my wine and all of a sudden there was this splash. Yeah. He jumped in the bath. All the bath water went in my wine. So I just had to drink straight out of the bottle. But he was like literally just <laughs> splashing Again. around. In the bath. And I know yeah. at that point I probably should have yeah. taken him out, but he stayed in the bath. Just want to highlight there that it wasn't a glass of wine in the bath, it was a bottle. <laughs> did you just say he stayed in the bath with you? Yeah, he did. <laughs> There's an episode. Yeah. There's an episode. <laughs> Dear Lord. Right, he okay. likes Should it. you bathe with your dog? I've got a question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we know that it's interesting to see how puppies develop in terms of their personalities, but is it as consistent when they age? What does the science say about that? Well, good question. You can get dog personality questionnaires as well, very similar to the ones that you did, except dogs can't hold the pen, so somebody else needs to do that for them. And I found a study that sampled uh, 1,600 dogs and their owners to look at their personalities to see how much changed over time and what the links were with the human personality as well. And what they found is dog personality definitely differed by age. Older dogs were less active and excitable compared to younger dogs. 
that was that was a trait. Um, they also found that younger dogs were less responsive to training than middle-aged dogs, about six to eight years old. Um, there were no age differences in fearful dogs. Um, so once they'd hit that point that they were fearful, that, that we were talking about earlier on, they were kind of fearful for life. Um, and it was comparable with humans in the sense that there are more dramatic age differences early in life than later in life. Now, aggression towards people and responsiveness to training and aggression towards other animals actually peaked between six and eight years. And the personality of the dog was related to a few quite important outcomes. Chronic health conditions, for example, were less likely when dogs had higher levels of excitability and activity. More aggressive dogs and older dogs and male dogs were more likely to have bitten there were some correlations between dog personality and human personality. And, you know, whatever whatever kind of personality traits you have yourself, that doesn't mean that you're limited with your dog. Um, the way I, I conduct myself in public, I'm very loud, animated, and that can be quite confusing for the process of dog training. That is something that I consciously worked on because it did create confusion. I had to, anyone who's worked with me will see how I interact and talk to them about the dog and what's going on. And as soon as I take that lead, I'm a completely different character when I'm working with that dog. I'm a lot more methodical. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I've seen you working dogs. You are very methodical. Yeah, yeah, I completely change. Yeah, because yeah, my my character, especially for the you know the aggressive dogs that I work with, the way I am will trigger aggression in dogs. I'm yeah. you know I'm fast twitching. I'm you know it, it, it's somewhat unpredictable to a dog that's um, that's behaving in such a way. So everything calms right down. My vocal tone's different. I don't speak anywhere near as fast. Uh, I'm not as high and shrill. I'm I'm, I'm lower, and everything's just like I said, mm. slow and methodical. Yeah, I don't know that that necessarily that people choose dogs that that match their personality or lo or like them you know a lot will say you can t you can tell a or tell a dog by the owner or yeah. whatever but i do think that there's um you know you, you have if you had a box of lego you know lego pieces and there's certain colors in stickle there bricks. yeah stickle bricks okay some stickle bricks or some lego or other building materials are available <laughs> for children's entertainment but um you know and and you can you ba that that's your core material how you build and what you build out of that, how much red Lego pieces you show or how much, you know, blue Lego pieces you show. So how much of your dog's fearfulness you allow to develop or how mm, much of your yeah. extrovert nature you begin to develop would perhaps be shaped by the experiences that you give the dog and the environment that you raise them in. So you might inhibit some things and yeah, increase yeah. other things until they become almost a bit of a reflection of your personality. It's not necessarily yeah. that your dog came preformed with that personality mm, to match yeah. your own but I do think yeah. that the way that you interact with them and what yeah. you allow them to experience can certainly help to shape a personality that's more in line with your own. Absolutely yeah. I was I was literally just going to say they can adapt to the environment that you provide and if a big part of that environment is how you're conducting yourself that can definitely rub mm. off Carney. Yeah. If I think about you know my dogs and you know they're they're very similar <laughs> <laughs> very similar to me they're all very deep thinkers Aww. they don't like company they <laughs> sit up a, no yeah. but, uh, every poo needs an eel yeah but 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 you know i i think there's there's they're accepting of other dogs you know they don't have a big deal with it but they're not they don't go and seek out that interaction um and equally if if other dogs come into there invade their space i see some dogs that i work with that couldn't care less about that mm. you know they almost say, oh yeah have a little sniff and no, let me have a little sniff and bye and on they no. go my dogs wouldn't be like the word for tilly the one that i lost early on in the year for example in particular she would be i'm fine just I prefer my own company in my own space and I like to do my own things. I still get things done, you know, I still enjoy stuff. But 
someone actually forcing themselves upon me or me being forced to engage in this social situation, not really into, you know, yeah. it's not really mm -hmm. me. And my way of, of like dealing with that might be to decline an invitation or to make an early exit, you know, or an excuse or something like that. Hers would be to, <sighs> when the other dog came in, she decided I'm not really interested mm -hmm. in it, you know. Mm -hmm. So that that's, I can see how even in myself with some of my dogs, the personality, the, tr the temperament sort of match yeah. has been shaped, yeah. with, you yeah. know, without me. Say the same, man, I'm mental. <laughs> <laughs> mental <laughs> and completely under control yeah, yeah. just yeah. how I like him restrained <laughs> mental yeah yeah constantly having to put a lid on the crazies <laughs> yeah. Luther's quite similar to me sometimes yeah it? absolutely he racks the same when someone's like you know he baths with wine yeah yeah yeah. he yeah. baths with, he baths with wine bathes yeah. he with yeah, wine yeah 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 he's exactly the same in the sense that you know if uh, people are kind of Moving up to him at the bar, he, he doesn't really like it, doesn't he? And he'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. Sab, there's definitely evidence of the impact of the environment on the dog, you know, affecting, you know, nature. But what about nature? Is, the, is science saying anything about that? Is your dog just born with certain traits? Yeah, well, there's definitely a genetic thing going in there. And as much as you see differences in personality between different breeds, like Labradors generally can be quite friendly. That can be a trait with the Labradors. And Shallows, well, they just basically look at everyone with a sense of disdain, mm. uh, especially Luther. But anyway, you see lots of variation between traits uh, in different breeds, don't you? Yeah. I mean, even if you take the same breed, Jimmy is pretty outgoing, pretty friendly. Luther... Not so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just basically hates everyone that isn't me. I found a, a, a one study, and you've both got Labradors, haven't you? And I found a study that looked at the influence of genetic factors on personalities of Labrador retrievers, specifically. I love a Labrador. Uh, they're lovely, aren't they? Well, this study did a personality test on nearly 30,000 Labradors. So it was huge. Then they looked at the genetic data of each of the dogs as well. They found consistency in some factors of the personality tests and the genetic traits they found within the dogs. So there was definitely a correlation for some traits, not all of them, but certainly for some of them. So for example, fetching and noise fear were quite high in terms of genetic influence. Now, trainability, actually had quite a small genetic influence, but it was a significant one nevertheless. And attention and attachment were also quite highly linked with particular genes, as was agitation. Most of the findings suggest what we'd call a polygenic inheritance for most of these traits, which just basically means that they're influenced by more than one gene. A low genetic influence for trainability in Labrador retrievers for everybody who says, oh, it's a Labrador, yeah. they're born part trained, yeah, not yeah. according to yeah. the science. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Well done with your Labradors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you've got a well-trained Labrador, take a bow, yeah, my friend, yeah, take yeah. a bow. Yeah. You're fighting Jamie against well genetics. Well, 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 well done, both of you. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, like, it's why you might be so different to a sibling, you know? Uh, I kind of miss my Labrador now. Oh, I'm looking at him in the corner. I feel like oh, he's just... Flinty. When, when I actually, he's looking for you, Do you know when I look around yeah. Jamie's shoulder, I'm doing the same thing he's doing? Oh, <laughs> bless him. No, but I mean, you can see why you might be so different to a sibling. You share the same kind of genetic inheritance, if you like, but you're completely different. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and my brother like chalk and cheese. You know? oh, I've got yeah. twins. 
You know, I've got a son and daughter that are twins. They're completely oh, yeah. different people. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Do you know it? what I mean? Exactly the same genetic influence, the same environment, the same parental upbringing, the yeah. same learning. Yeah. Same, with like, yeah, same, same with Littimates. Yeah, same with Littimates. So uh, uh, yeah. Tinker Truman, you know, where I've, I've recorded them going through their development from yeah. dot up yeah. until where we are now, which is, what, 16, yeah. 17 months. And, uh, you know, as I've said before, I did that to, to basically yeah. prove a point or bust a myth as to whether or not it is possible to raise littermates and to have them raised as individuals and to have your you know your yeah. your um presence your significance be more significant and more relevant than their brother yeah. or their sister depending on which one that you're that you're talking about and again despite the fact that they both came from the same mother they were both raised in the same way in the same household trained by the same person in the same locations very often on the same day almost back to back do you know what I mean? Together as well as apart, yet two completely individual dogs. One has got four legs. The yeah. other's got four. <laughs> <laughs> she won't mind. She won't mind me saying that. She's Aww. resilient. But, but that yeah, wasn't but, a genetic influence, though, was it? Yeah. No, no, no. That, that was an accidental yeah. influence. But no, all I'm saying is that even there, you could, you know. Jamie was practicing his samurai saw skills. Yeah. <laughs> You cannot create yeah. a personality. You can't create mm -hmm. a temperament. All you can do is, mm -hmm. you know, I, I always, I always view this as being somebody gives you um, a lump of dough, uh, you know, as though you're making bread. You, you, have, <laughs> you haven't had before. control over the ingredients that went into that dough, <laughs> yeah, but you're yeah. given the dough. It's going to turn into bread anyway. It's going to prove one way or another. There's only so much of it, yeah, so it can yeah. only go in a certain shape. And it's down to you as much as you can to manipulate that dough to get the shape yeah. roughly that you want to see as the proven as the as yeah. the adult dog. Yeah, yeah. I love you know. that you were more careful in this episode than the one that we did previously, where you were telling us how you were baking your own dogs in bread. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. I live and learn. I live and learn. It's adaptation. It's just, you that know. was nurture, not nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worth mentioning though that you can you can heighten personality traits, genetic traits, and you can dampen them by, you know, by, by how you choose to, well, what kind of development you're going to go through with your dog. If you've got, if you've identified that you've got a really boisterous dog, like someone uh, written in with a question once about it, um, a boxer that was bouncing everywhere. If you're just going to dog parks and leaving that dog to absolutely bounce everywhere, chances are he's going to get into conflict with other dogs. And then, you know, you'd be guilty of saying, oh, he causes trouble with other dogs. But you've actually let that happen instead of taking the time to calm him down, letting him know that you can you can achieve things by behaving in this way. You're still going to have a bouncy Labrador, but nowhere near of a nuisance to other dogs as you would have if he weren't controlling the situation around the dog. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. influence that you put over younger dogs is just yeah. tremendous, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. One thing I did want to say, any geneticists that are watching, forgive my woefully inadequate understanding of genetics yeah. and the way that it truly works. I'm yeah. just talking about it from a layperson's <clears throat> perspective. And, do you know the, be the, the beauty of genetics? You know, I, I, I don't breed dogs and, and, and I, never, I never will. It's just not, it's just not my thing. But um, if you speak to anyone who, who, who breeds dogs, I'm, I'm looking, looking more at like working dogs because these people are really on what they want to breed in the next in the next offspring and they'll tell you genetics work in a weird and wonderful way you could breed a field champion a field trial champion to a field trial champion and every single one of them puppies is no good for work and then you could you could you could breed two dogs that have got no no you know credentials to the name shall we say and you end up with a litter of absolutely amazing dogs. Likewise, you could get nine dogs that are fantastic and one just that isn't meant for work. It just wants to sit in front of the fire. You know, we can we can guesstimate and we can look into it, but the reality of it is 
we just they just work in a weird mm. and wonderful way. You just can never get to grips con concrete and say that is that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a very complex interaction yeah. between nature and nurture, isn't it? But yeah. now we know all this cool stuff from these studies. What can people do practically? I think the first thing that we need to say, the most important thing that people need to consider is that your, as you touched upon earlier on, is that the most important intervention is at the earliest point, you know, when, when your pup yeah. is most susceptible to shaping, when you're first getting that dough and you're beginning to create what you want to see, you know, as they yeah. mature, um, and making sure that you get the adequate exposure. Yeah. You get, again, I know I'm going to say it again, and I keep saying it, forget the concept of socialization. Focus yeah. entirely on the concept of exposure, yeah. exposing your young. When you've got your five-year-old dog that you've taken on from a rescue centre or that you've imported from, you know, some some foreign country in order to be able to give it a better life, and you talk about, oh, they're a little bit this, that, and the other. I need to get them out and socialise it. Too late. Yeah. Too late. You're, you're not even damage limitation. You're just trying to do something yeah. where that opportunity has by and large gone. The time when that happens, the time when it's best to sort of affect that influence, that positive mm -hmm. influence over that puppy is when it's young enough and nature, if you like, yeah. is opening up its box for certain aspects of its character and yeah. saying, now is the time for me to receive it. The older I get, the more that box yeah. lid starts to close. So yeah. no, learn. When is yeah. it? When is it that's the best time for these things to happen yeah. for me to be able to influence what's inside of that? And to give you context to that, you know, the the what's called as crucial socialization period is zero to fifteen weeks, isn't it? Mm -hmm. After that you're kind of playing catch up in terms of environmental exposure. So yeah, just what Jamie's saying, back back up completely what Jamie's saying. Yeah, it saying. is. I mean there's a great book by um Scott and Fuller. Um, a Bar Harbor experiment, experiment, I think it's genetics and the social behavior of the dog. And it's a bit of a geek, but you'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> you'd love it more than I love it. Yeah, I love it. Huge <laughs> experiment looking on raising multiple different litters of puppies in multiple different environments yeah. with multiple different experiences to be able to understand how, why, where, and when it yeah. comes to developing the, the, you know, the, 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 the temperament, the personality. Mm. And much of what we know today, like yeah. you say, the zero to 16 weeks, 15, 16 weeks, and the taking a puppy away between seven and eight weeks and stuff yeah. stems from that research. Yeah. You know, so the, the information is there. Yeah. It's really yeah. worth looking out for. Yeah. Another thing that, that I hear a lot from pet owners They'll they'll message and say they wanna they wanna join classes. They don't need any training. The dogs in perfect at recall, perfect at X Y Z, and then you find out that the dog's three four months old. Dogs go through what what we refer as detrimental learning curves. It's basically the journey from puppyhood right the way through to adulthood. And just like not to use the example of dogs and children, but just like your kids, the personality you have in a six year old might not necessarily be the same as one at thirteen years of age. The first kind of detrimental learning curve I, uh, curve I describe to people is you think that oh my dog's great he's only ever interested in me because your little puppy follows you around everywhere it doesn't have interest but as they hit a little bit more maturity all of a sudden now you're making a little bit more of a fuss to get them back because now they're not following they're stopping and having a sniff and doing their own things and you're having to make a bit more of a concerted effort to get them back just like a teenager yeah yeah <laughs> if you had a five-year-old yeah. 
son or a five-year-old daughter and, and they would be interested in sweets yeah. or they would be interested in toys and they would probably be interested in that and your company over everything yeah. else. Roll on 10 years, get yourself a 15, 16-year-old son or daughter, take them to a swimwear beach volleyball competition, whatever the sex happens to be, try and get their attention with a packet of sweets or hanging around with mum yeah, and dad yeah. and see how well you do. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't be surprised. So yeah. Don't be surprised yeah. if your dog does the same. Yeah. And the, la the last thing I would just want to touch on um, is... When dogs get older, they can change as well. You know, you might have the most even, balanced temperament dog that you've ever owned in your life, but when they get to seven or eight years of age, they can become really sensitive to noise, which can make them shy away from things. They can become really sensitive in terms of their, their aching a little bit more. And this is where the whole he bit out of nowhere came from. Just be aware that just as we get older, we start getting aches and pains and have to change the way we live. So does your dog. So just understand that, you, you know, your dog's going through the same sort of aging process mm. that you are. I believe there's um, there is some research to suggest that dogs can become a little bit uh, a little bit more um, nervous and sensitive to loud bangs and sounds around like mm. seven or eight years of age. So it's worth taking it's taken into consideration. Isn't we it? all get a bit more narky as we get older, don't we? Yeah, I'm narky like. anyway, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your score says so. I'm interested. What have our listeners got to say? Well, do you know what? Getting a little bit narky as you get a little bit older <laughs> and a bit more sensitive to things as you hit around seven eight years old, things like that. Yeah. Um, this is a great question to tie in with that can dogs have a midlife crisis <laughs> there's a little bit more to it mine is seven and has suddenly changed her personality she's become aloof and she doesn't seem to care much about anything anymore she's not interested in playing she doesn't want to jump up on the sofa anymore for cuddles I think she's having an existential <laughs> an existential crisis. Oh, bless. Should I be worried? You should be worried well, if you've got a dog that's capable yeah. of Has understanding she, the concept yeah. of having an existential uh, yeah. crisis. Uh, uh, Blimey. Uh, uh, Has she got uh, a motorbike? Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I've been the first thing I would say is, without speaking to anyone, whether it be friends, dog trainers, whatever, if you think that you have cause for being worried then your first point of call is your vet, vet. yeah get you get your get your dog vet check full blood count let's see what's go let's see what's going on from yeah. from, from the get-go um, and as we just explained dogs can change their personalities as they get a little bit older they might be environmental factors have you moved somewhere where there's something going on is have you got you know a, a new dog or a cat in the household mm -hmm. a child there could be something in your environment that's that's causing that behavior we don't know what dog it is yeah, I mean, yeah. there's some dogs at seven year old is quite late in the day yeah um, and again, like yeah, you said earlier on, we don't, yeah, we don't like to make human canine yeah. comparisons, do we? But in this instance, you know, plenty of men, women, when yeah. they get to their 50s, 60s, 70s, perhaps don't like doing the things that they were doing when they were younger. They're not mm. quite so interested mm. in the or same. Or maybe they do. They just can't do them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I would I would say that it's not, you know, it's not. It's certainly not a midlife crisis, no. put it that way. But no. first check, like, oh, first point, like you say, Danny, vet. And yeah. second thing, except the fact that your dog's just getting older. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and I hope everything works out well. Yeah, yeah. All right, second question. Please. Okay. Do female dogs have maternal instincts towards puppies that are not their own? I know the answer to this. Okay, let's do it, Jay. I know well, the answer to this in my own experience ooh, several yeah. times over. Yes, female yeah. dogs can have maternal instincts towards puppies that are not their own, depending on the female dog. Um, we had a bull mastiff who uh, was a rescue that I'd worked with. She was due to be um, put to sleep, 
euthanized, um, but decided to keep her. Uh, we you know, took her home to assess her and my wife said there's no way she's going back to a rescue centre so she stayed she was the result of um, a person who'd been banned from keeping dogs but as is always the case bans are nigh on unenforceable and in this instance this was the case and so she'd been used for breeding and she'd had a couple of litters of puppies even though she was very young and she became almost like a, a nanny now I'm not going to say nanny dog you know this isn't no. sort of like a Peter Pan um you know, Disneyfication of, yeah, yeah. of of dogs, but she was brilliant. Sherlock there grew up with her. Yeah. Um. As as one example of the pups, she was phenomenal. Yeah. Great. She'd take them. She'd let the pups climb all over her. She'd go and lay down with them. You know, she was her, the actual mother who was Tilly, who was um another one of my Labradors, great great um, mother anyway. All these all the dogs live in the house with us. You lived in the house with us. We've we've lost both of those girls now. Oh. Um. But um, Libby Liberty, who was the Mastiff brilliant one of the best educators yeah. of puppies i have ever seen. i've filmed so much of her as well mm. but one of the best educators of puppies i've ever seen gentle giant brilliant mm. brilliant delivery of discipline very controlled you know beautiful dog um and did a beautiful do- if i was a mother dog and i wanted a mother nanny or babysitter she would have been the dog yeah. that I'd have chosen, you know. Fantastic. Wonderful. So, in answer, yes. And and, and oppositely, some some um, dog mothers, should we say, they can have absolutely no maternal instincts mm. to their own puppies. I've known of plenty of puppies that have, you know, working with the rescues. The mothers just rejected the puppies. In some cases, tried to kill the puppies, and the rescuer are, are, hand, are hand rearing them. So, just like in, with people, some people can just have not have them them their maternal instincts or paternal instincts. Mm. Um, it's the same with um, with dogs as well. I seen it, um, a great documentary about wolves reintroduced into Yellowstone. Have you seen it? Yeah, I think I have. And um, they were talking about um, the one of the wolves died in the pack, and um, the wolves were really mopey and they weren't getting around it, and they were worried about the survival. It was that bad, and they said the re- wolves will always react more positively to puppies, and it doesn't have to be their own puppies. And they reintroduced wolves, put wolf puppies from a completely different pack, well, well away. Um, and the, they, they lost their mother and so on and they reintroduced them to Yellowstone and the whole pack picked up wow yeah yeah the that's more, amazing the more that you think about it really you know I know I say again, say again about the, the, the human canine thing that we try and not do yeah, but yeah. people would take on somebody else's baby people will be fantastic yeah. parents yeah. to a child that perhaps wasn't biologically their own it doesn't really matter does it you know there's yeah. one part of the equation is the I'm actual I'm proof the, yeah. the, the, the actual <laughs> the actual genetics of things you know your fantastic parents have step in why wouldn't it be the same across yeah. other species? Yeah. Ultimately, I suppose the yeah. end game is to prolong yeah. the existence yeah. of the species, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And and it would be advantageous yeah. to have um, other dogs yeah. have maternal some, instincts. Some some um, some puppies that have you know lo- lost the mother, you can put them in with another one, and they start to lactate, and they will feed that puppy. Mm. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, yeah. it, it, it's it happens. Yeah, brilliant. But there as again, like we've talked in the past, everything's an individual. Yeah, yeah. always. I hope that's answered always. that one for you. Yeah, always. Right, I think me and Jay are in need of a damn good icking, so Here take we go. it away, Danny. We have a damn good icking. A damn good icking. <laughs> a damn good icking. There you go. There's a new one for us, a strap line. Yeah. Okay, we've got that? Harry from Scratchy Bottom, Dorset. Is that close to you? <laughs> God. <laughs> okay. Harry says, when people overstimulate their dogs by trying to keep them continuously excited. It's because they're giving them too many icks. I think it's a, uh, yeah, yeah. 
a lot of that is is again the narrative in this this modern world of dog training that every second of every day your dog must have a waggy happy tail and that's how they respond to everything and if they pause god forbid they pause for a split second they must be stressed yeah your dog doesn't have to be in a world of excitement when i explain this to clients i like to explain it in such a way that we all love going on holiday but the day before holiday we're all excited and we can't wait and it's very hard to get your work done and it's definitely hard to sleep that night. If you're putting your dog in that world of hyper excitability all the time, it's not a healthy way to be and it is a form of stress in itself. Can I just say, those of us that score highly on conscientiousness don't have any issues on getting our work done. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. I do. Just saying. <laughs> Where did I score on conscientiousness? Uh, I have a bit, oh don't worry about it, I have a bit of an issue with. Uh, low. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not very conscientious. Mm. <laughs> I'm not, am I? Nothing Predictable. <laughs> Predictable. Uh, you, you were very brief with my results, actually, so I can only assume that's because I'm a lost cause. No, it's <laughs> You got quite a lot, a, lot, a lot of feedback there. I got two. Because <laughs> you're incredibly complex, Danny, and yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to need an hour yeah, to sit down and talk That means that Dr. Through. Sab needs to sit me down and say, <laughs> listen, you need to be speaking to someone. No, actually, to be fair, you were generally average across conscientiousness. Some highs, some lows, generally average. Yeah. yeah. On, on the, on the not very self-disciplined. Yeah. When people overstimulate the dogs, you know, a lot of simmy dogs switching off, so oh no, they must be unhappy. Like you say, that is a common thing, isn't it? That your dog must permanently anything bar heightened state of arousal, you know, is is wrong. You know, your dog, your dog should always look yeah, in this yeah. state. You imagine if you if you oh, going to do it again, aren't I? With a human canine yeah, analogy yeah. or comparison, but never mind. Here it goes. But you imagine if there's a difference. It's kind of just say, Jamie. Sorry, mate. There's a difference between giving someone something to relate to and directly comparing your yeah, dog to yeah, a child. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm saying, you know, it's an analogy. I, yeah, yeah. As a as a child, you know, we do this, and it's similar in dogs. It's very different to saying, well, you wouldn't do that to your kid because you could say, well, I wouldn't ask me me kid to toilet in the garden either. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I do. Yeah, I do. That. Yeah, no, that's exactly yeah, what yeah. I'm saying as well. Yeah, yeah. As exactly. Or your dog to get in the bath. Oops. <laughs> on the wine. wine. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was just going to say that um, you know, with kids, if you, if it was Christmas Eve yeah. and and they're excited on Christmas Eve, you wouldn't try to make every day, yeah. every moment of every Sustain day, Christmas that, yeah, Eve yeah. or maintain. No, and not. what would you expect if you did? Mm. Too much of anything can be a bad thing. You know, too much stimulation, too much excitement, too much over arousal, and the effects that that can have not just behaviourally but internally as well mm. on the dog. You know, by being given no switch off, and then, you know, unfortunately for dogs, it's very easy to condition them, isn't it? It's very mm. easy to make them want yeah. more of, and to, you know, create, you know, dogs that really, to a degree, addicted to mm. wanting that stimulation. That's not that's yeah. not a normal state. Good icks, and if someone wants to get in touch, how can they, Jay? If you want to get icked by Dan, <laughs> keep following Check out your website, keep... only Dan. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> this is endless. This is endless. <laughs> oh, the merchant followers. For goodness sake, subscribe and followers. The merchandise that's going to be coming yeah. from this program absolutely phenomenal. You need a mug with D. Icked, <laughs> don't you? Listen, if you do want to keep in touch with us, if you do want to follow, and absolutely you do because you'd be mad not to, at Dog Scholar Podcast on social media, or if you want to email us, podcast at thedogscholar.com. Well, that's all we've got time for this week, I'm afraid. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share the show with a friend. And if they don't like it, maybe they don't will. Danny, can you see us out with a final thought? You sure can. Whilst you might not be able to control the genetics of your dog, you can certainly control the environment to control aspects of your dog's personality. Take the time to control that environment, to mould your dog, 
to how you want them to fit into your family environment. Good advice. See you next week. A lot of environments in one sense. Bang on. Nothing wrong with that. Oh,